Sirens rise 
so excited. He's here. Yeah, when uh, Harry was a little boy, uh, there was two songs. I knew two songs, and I loved them, and I found them both uh, certainly meaningful to me. One was uh, Simon and Garfunkel's America, oh, yeah. because uh, when I was a kid in high school, I memorized it. It was a good song to memorize. And the other one, Benny King, Stand By ah. Me. And uh, to hear uh, Tracy Chapman sing that song is heaven. Here ah. she is, ladies and gentlemen, multiple Grammy Award winner. We're delighted that she's here tonight to perform this classic, Tracy Chapman.
ticket to anywhere Maybe we make a deal Maybe together we can get somewhere Any place is better Starting from zero, got nothing to lose Maybe we'll make something Me, myself, I got nothing to prove
got a fast car Is it fast enough so you can fly away? You gotta make a decision Leave tonight or live and die this way
Welcome to the Common Thread Collective here at MutinyRadio.fm, San Francisco. We're at the corner of 21st and Florida Streets here in the Mission District. We hope you come down and join us. We're going to have a really interesting afternoon. We usually do. But this afternoon in particular is going to be of interest, of of social import in in a very specific way because um, Tuesday, June 5th, which is just a couple days from now, is going to be the um, primary election in California for the U.S. House of Representatives, for the uh, governor seat, for a lieutenant governor. There's many different positions that are on the California ballot um, here on June 5th um, that will help determine who the two final candidates will be in the November general election. So um, we're going to have, we are currently welcoming Dave's out there. Uh, shimmying around, shuffling around the house here at Mutiny Radio and uh, saying hi to our, all of our guests and friends who come down to be part of that candidate forum. We've got Ryan Kojaste, who's uh, a candidate for District 12. We've got Shahid Buttar and also Barry Hermanson. Um, and Barry is part of the Green Party. So it's going to be an interesting afternoon here at Mutiny Radio on the Common Thread Collective as we uh, jump into uh, the, com- the campaigns of these three gentlemen who are hoping to unseat the incumbent Nancy Pelosi, who has been in the House of Representatives since 1987. So, uh, you know, politics are always a a little bit uh, confounding, maybe a little bit dirty, and uh, certainly often a bit confusing. But you know what? I'm going to play this song that we like to play at the beginning of every show, and it's Ooby Dooby Whitaker, and he's letting us know, don't worry. Everything's going to be all right.
It's all right, folks, because we're here at Mutiny Radio. It's an exciting day. Hey, Diamond Dave. Hey, it is an exciting day. This is our last day until the big day of the elections. Those who already voted, those who already uh, voted, there are those who got their, uh, their, 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 their papers to vote in the mail. Please bring it in. To, you can bring it in either to your local polling, polling place and come vote. Cause, uh, because there's a lot happening here. And I just happen to have, and we'll be talking to her, a, a candidate for mayor on the ballot. Something new to me, but something really special. Hey, Michelle Bravo. Hey there. How are you? Well, considering everything, it's, considering everything, it's a beautiful day. Absolutely. Uh, don't panic. It's organic. On the balance, the balance of life, uh, I'm doing fine. Wonderful. And we got John, we play a movie, and there's John. We did. We've got John Rodano, who I'm glad showed up today, as we're as we're still do, taking it down to the wire for the Tuesday election, um, because John always has something important to share with us in his music and his words. So thank you, John, for being here, and take it away, my friend. So I'm gonna do a song my wife Vicky Leidner wrote. She wrote this song the day after that uh, election, and it called it post-election acute depression blues after the inauguration she changed it to post-election chronic depression blues and now last week she's telling me she wants to change it to post-election homicidal depression blues and i told her that's good she's starting to think about doing something about it so you know post-election Post-election chronic depression Post-election chronic depression Take an aspirin and kill the pain Four hours later it's back again Post-election chronic depression Friends and family Got same condition and fam got same condition gotta get out of this position gotta be working a midterm election oh yeah that midterm election ain't no pills there ain't no shots so just eat that chocolate Swamp from the new White House. 
thank you very much. And I'll be back later. Yeah, his wife wrote that song. Wow, it's wonderful. Stick around, John. Thanks, John. I'm talking John. to you, and I have your uh, M- Michelle Bravo. <laughs> and Michelle is on the, on the mayor, running for mayor, who's going to be on the ballot. And that's the ballot that's the one, two, three. Remember, folks, that not like in the kind of old days, not so old days, you don't vote for one candidate, you have the opportunity to vote for three. One, two, three. Your favorite your second favorite, and your third favorite. Is that right, Michelle? That's right. And so you so you made it, you decided. I am very excited, yeah. It's, I, I can feel it. It's, it's been a wonderful learning experience, and uh, I am the former uh, San Francisco, well, I was a student representative of the San Francisco School Board. That's actually kind of my first uh, thing that I ever did in anything political uh, when I was in, again, when I was in high school. Uh, there's pictures of that on my Twitter feed at 4SFMayor uh, on Twitter. Uh, just really exciting times, and I'm, I'm grateful to be here, but definitely a lot of, of worrisome things brought me oh to goodness. running, you know? And the more you see, uh, when you were a student on the school board, I was uh, I was a senator and a, and a senator on the Associated Student Council City College. Fantastic! So we're doing it. That was when they were trying to take you heard about it, trying to take our accreditation away. That's right. They wanted to take that college over and turn it into what? We have no idea, but they couldn't do it. Because yep. we fought them. Fantastic. And that's why I say, and you're saying it too, and you said the school board, I can say more. I say, at City, City College. Yep. In the city. I went to City. <laughs> well, then we say, let's say it together. At City. At City. In the city. In the city. On the planet. On the planet. And in the street. And in the street. That's where we be with our learning key curves. That's right. <laughs> that's right. And our learning key. Look at those nipples. <laughs> those learning keys that come together, you got us. These learning, our learning curves will come together. At least in this moment of time, and uh, so you had some uh, political thirst or some politics on the school board as a student representative, in which you saw them, and they did, I don't know much attention they paid to you. I know what it, the way grown-ups are. Well, they they, they had uh, they had overcrowding in the schools back in the late '80s, and uh, that was one of the things I got on the news about and spoke out and definitely spoke out on the uh, school board about that because I mean people were sitting in the window sills on the floor there weren't enough desks wow and you were there too and so that would give you your thirst a thirst which you got for a learning curve that led you right here yes, running sir. for mayor is that right that's correct but we all started somewhere I'd say anyway we all started I go, I go back many 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 years but so here you are and you began to well, tell us all this happened. Well, let me give you my, let me read your card. In fact, you can read your card. It's always interesting to do, see what the candidates are doing with the rest of their life. Some of them like John Avalos is working for the, for, the, for the union. They have various things they do, and you can find out why. But this is Michelle Bravo. Michelle Bravo, are you Latino? Bravo can be, what's what Bravo? So name you've taken, not, you know? not a problem at all. So oh, actually, not a problem. Yeah, yeah. My, my, my father uh, actually was from Buenos Aires in Argentina, so I'm a first generation on his side. But on my mother's side, we go back six generation Northern Californian. Wow. And so, yeah, uh, basically, I'm a... I'm, I'm Holistic health practitioner, been in business for 13 years over at the 450 Sutter Building, downtown near Union Square in San Francisco. I'm a uh, definitely a uh, lover of San Francisco, I adore it here, um, and I'm a military veteran, small home. I, 
the homeowner and business owner here in the city. And again, I, I got worried because I saw so much trash and feces and not the dog kind, but the human kind. And I said, what the heck's going on? Why isn't this being cleaned up? And why isn't anyone paying attention? So, and so I assume that you begin to see while well, you're seeing all this stuff on the ground laying around and so on. And then this opens up the fact that more and more people are got homeless yep. and trying to keep a tent without having their tents be confiscated and thrown in the garbage uh, the garbage truck while they're, while they're trying to find a place to lay their head, not just naked on the street. Yeah. But if they found a tent, like if it was a small homeowner, they were small owners to them and being harassed again and again and again. And why is this happening? Who's behind it? What do they want? What savages is going to become? Can we connect that to this word that you hear more and more often? I want you to speak to it. And that word is gentrification. Gentrification, absolutely. And the SFPD, unfortunately, they, you know, 75% of the SFPD do not reside in San Francisco. So they have no connection to our citizens. And that includes the citizens who happen to be transient at the moment. And, uh, and not only residing in San Francisco, having to cross that bridge every day. Yep. And they are, they are we talk about trying to have the, a police department that reflects in some way the city the people who live here, the voters, the, the people who would be voting if they thought there was something to vote for, all of the, uh, this community in San Francisco, there's many communities. So we're hoping to have a, that there should be uh, that not so many of these cops who live uh, outside, uh, 70 percent, you say, they're, over, they're almost overwhelmingly white people, aren't they? My understanding is that is correct, yes. So we, we, we definitely need a more diverse force. Diverse? We need, yeah, we need to recruit them from, you know, San Francisco uh, because San Francisco cops are going to understand San Francisco values. At least that's my hope and that's and, my intention. And also you mentioned coming out of the Marine Corps. And I, I wish we had a live TV here so I could <laughs> show you, but I can see. And so how long have you spent in the Marine Corps? I enlisted for four years. Were you, that's, that's, were you there for four years? I, I enlisted for four years, spent some time in Vallejo at Mare Island. That's okay. where I was one of an installation of 600 Marines, uh, fast company at a naval base there. It's no longer a naval base. It's been decommissioned, and there's now, oh, I guess uh, folks who live in uh, the nice Lennar homes. Uh, Lennar is now building on Hunter's Point Shipyard, and they're building over on uh, in the Candlestick, where they took out Candlestick Park, and they're, they're building over on Treasure island soon so with that being said um, my understanding is that there those those properties are are fairly well not candlestick but certainly uh, Hunter's Point has been found to be toxic at least the soil the soil tested uh, tests and samples from Tetratech were found to be uh, just not not good and and uh, so thanks for the green uh, what is it the green green uh, green action green action yep who I go back many years with. Wonderful. Course, and Green Action, who really discovered this and said, wait a minute. And Treasure Island, they said, wait a minute. This stuff is toxic. It's toxic because um, because what it was used for when they were during World War II, when they were, when they were taking bombing of, of, of every sort, when people were being sent to the Pacific to bomb and to die and be died, kill and be killed, all that was happening. And of course, they left a footprint. 
Yes, they did. And they did a lot of um, apparently some nuclear testing over on the San Francisco Hunters Point shipyard on animals. And a lot of those animal bodies were buried right in the soil there. And so uh, may, uh, was it Mark Farrell yesterday was uh, quoted and the Sa- uh, San Francisco Comical. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. The San Francisco yeah. Chronicle. Uh, basically, he says that he would, quote, along these lines, recommend that his friends and family or anyone else should live on San Francisco Hunters Point shipyard. So uh, I, I basically told him, on my Twitter feed. Okay, so you were saying one thing before that you were against the Hunters Point shipyard because it's possibly toxic. Now you flip-flopped and said that you would invite your friends and family to live there. Okay, yeah. so you know what I said? Okay, so Mark Farrell's eating dirt in terms oh, yeah. of his word, okay? Oh, so I, I'm saying, he's you know what? Toxic dirt. <laughs> he's eating dirt. Well, and I said, okay, so you know what? Mark Farrell, since you've got a bunch of kids, I'd like to see your kids play and eat dirt because kids do if they're playing in the dirt don't they um, have your kids I, play and eat dirt out there and let's let's see it dare you yeah, see how, how safe it is yeah, he, well, yeah, he's you gonna, let your kids play there he's gonna ignore you he's not gonna do all that these are politicians as you know quite well and as you've really gotten to learn you know before learn the way you're running have you did you go to a lot were you a lot of the for they had some forums not as many as the mayor's forums yes but some forums where you met your other candidates yes I did um, the first one that I attended was the Harvey Milk one in fact, there was a young woman out here um, that I was chatting about and said the same thing. I, I got so overcome with emotion on the taser piece to find that so many in the community were supportive of, you know, no tasers for the SFPD. I, I kind of lost my voice and forgot what I was going to say for the rest of the conversation. A little bit better for the LGBT uh, San Francisco De- uh, Democratic Club's uh, mayoral forum. We all showed up and we were all invited and uh, we were all standing or uh, sitting on the stage and uh, lo and behold, we all RSVP'd, except for London Breed. Uh, London Breed uh, came over and just kind of showed up unannounced. He didn't RSVP. We, no one had any idea. And kind of crossed her arms and sat in the press-only section and gave us all the eye. And I was like, well, golly, I've never met you, but gee, it's not really a good introduction there. <laughs> And of course, our candidates, by our candidates, she announced her that she was running for mayor. Back then, like, who am I talking about? Announced she was running for mayor right here. Oh, well, Amy Weiss announced her run, her first run for mayor in 2015. Yep. So uh, Mutiny Radio, and specifically the Common Thread Collective right and here. Women's Magazine, have been a real like central part of um, you know a place where people can come and, and Do what you're doing. kind of branch out and uh, you know explore these different ideas of uh, what what's possible, what's necessary, and what can be done. So um, thanks and for being here, Michelle. And thank you so much. I appreciate your invitation and and uh, again, uh, vote for Michelle Bravo for mayor, San Francisco, in this special election, 2018. Thank you again for having me, Diamond. And way, way beyond the, uh, thank you. Way beyond Tuesday. I want to look at you. See, you see, you're part. Of, you're welcome to. You're part of it. You said that. I know your learning curve is not going to end uh, on Tuesday. Uh, uh, end on Tuesday, but we'll continue. Every step is a step along the way. As we do what? Learn to love? Learn to love. Love to learn. Love to learn. That's what never ends. That's what never ends. You're always welcome here. And uh, 
I look forward to it. What do you think, Val? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy we're all coming together in our community here. And thank you, Michelle Bravo, for being my guest on Women's Magazine today. And um, we all are coming together here as we look at look in the face of uh, politics and, and what democracy can mean for all of us in this country and specifically here in the city. And um, I'm, I'm really... It, I'm really excited today um, because we've been kind of working up to this, getting ready for this. Um, we have a, we have three candidates here today. Um, well, we have Michelle, who's a candidate for mayor, um, but we have three candidates here today who are running um, for the U.S. House of Representatives to represent District 12 here in San Francisco. It's Nancy Pelosi's district that she's been, um, you know, the representative of for a, a rather long time. Um, and so I'd like to introduce our guests today. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of a forum um, and a conversation with, um, with, with, with these candidates who have uh, thrown their hat in the ring as well and um, have definitely a lot to, sh to share and contribute about what they see as the most important issues uh, facing not only San Francisco, but the country. So else we're going to get a chance to see what we do here, how we roll, because people get a lot of different ideas, and unless you see it yourself, you won't have that good idea how we roll. And so here we are. So is John going to do another song? Oh, uh, no, we're going to go straight into the forum. We're, okay. we're running, running through, but maybe John will come back later. Yeah, we got, he's got to go. Okay, yeah. John, let's take a So look. I want to introduce, and, and if, gentlemen, if you want to pick up your... Um, microphones for a moment there let's see see how we're doing on thank you for joining us in this rather relaxed forum here at mutiny radio um so we've got uh, three candidates here shahid buttar great to be with you we've got barry hermanson from the green party yep mike's working yeah yep, mike's working and uh ryan kojaste hello everybody hello all right i am going to turn your mics up just a little bit just to make sure we've got uh some good quality sound on you here well why don't we start with um so shahid uh, you're, you're the first person in line here and the person with the best microphone so far. Um, I, would love, I would love it if you could um, introduce yourself a little bit, um, a little bit about your background and uh, why you're running for uh, Congress right now. Sure. Thanks, Val. Uh, my name is Shahid Buttar. I'm a constitutional lawyer. I came out of Stanford Law School 15 years ago. Uh, I taught constitutional law there as a teaching assistant. Uh, I work most recently at the Electronic Frontier Foundation as the organization's director of grassroots advocacy. Uh, I've got 15 years of experience building the progressive movement uh, across the country here in San Francisco, in Washington, D.C., um, and at the local and state level, and lots of different points in between. I'm running for Congress particularly because we are living in a historical moment when we need Congress to show up for work. And under the leadership of a bipartisan corporate establishment, We've seen Congress march lockstep uh, in, in the aggrandizement of an executive branch that threatens the rights and liberties of all Americans, as well as the future. And this is no time for uh, people who put their careers before their public service, as I fear that uh, Nancy Pelosi has grown comfortable doing. And I'm very eager to see our city represented meaningfully in Washington. San Francisco is a unique city. Uh, it's, a, it's a tech capital. It's an LGBT mecca. It's a peace and justice um, uh, center. And you know, if you remix these different communities, and, it, and we're a city of iconoclasts, of people who came here from elsewhere, largely, and I am an immigrant to this country. Uh, I've been an advocate for LGBT marriage equality since 2004, 10 years before the Democratic establishment. Uh, I've been 
been arrested in lots of different cities trying to stop wars that Nancy Pelosi has voted to fund. Um, and watching the co-optation of San Francisco's voice in Washington has been uh, more than I've been willing to accept from the sidelines. That's why I'm running. Excellent. Thank you so much for being here and for letting us know a little bit about where you're coming from. Um, and I'd like to go down the line with just so we can continue with our introductions. Barry Hermanson, who's running on the Green Party ticket. Barry, thank you so much for, for coming back to Mutiny Radio. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. That's uh, a great show that you guys have. So um, I've, I've been a candidate before and uh, uh, my major issues that I've been working on, I've been working on universal health care for 20 years. Um, I'm wearing a T-shirt today that has an image of, of an older image of the card that I'm using as a campaign card, U.S. Budget Priorities. And I first developed this um, in 2007 and 2008 uh, to show just the dramatic uh, a percentage of our national discretionary budget that is devoted to military year in and year out. I developed this um, in a campaign originally against uh, uh, Tom Lantos um, uh, leading up to the uh, 2008 primary. Uh, he died in office and Jackie Speer uh, became the front runner. And I'm, I'm very proud to say that um, uh, she, she did win that, that special election primary. Um, uh, and then I caught her on a vote uh, in the summer of 2008 to support uh, uh, just an enormous bloated military budget. And I printed it on the back of my campaign card. Um, uh, and so just telling voters uh, throughout uh, the district uh, what she had done. And I'm very proud to say that she's been a very reliable vote ever since then against uh, uh, military spending. Um, I'm trying to do the same thing uh, with uh, Nancy Pelosi. Uh, last year, she voted uh, uh, along with it, the vote was 344 to 81 in the House. And in the Senate, it was 89 to 8 to give President Trump 10 tens of billions of dollars more for the military than he had even requested. And so this information is on the back of my current campaign card. Um, uh, people throughout the district are getting this info. They really don't get information uh, about this sort of thing. Uh, the, the Chronicle, when they first reported it on Saturday, July 15th, uh, the 344 to 81 vote in the House, they reported that at the time it was 30 billion more than Trump had asked. Um, um, and they reported the numbers 344 to 81, but they did not report that Nancy Pelosi had voted yes. And it, in my mind, they are uh, in collusion. Uh, oh, uh, by the way, they printed it on page 7A on a Saturday morning below the fold, pretty much guarantee that people would not see it. And this is kind of information from our major media that is hid from us, that there is no debate, no discussion. And I believe that instead we need to have funding for education. Let's educate our children. Uh, let, let us feed people. Let us house people who are homeless. So I'll leave it at that. Thank you, Barry. Barry Hermanson running on the green ticket, green party ticket. And then we have Ryan Kojaste. Ryan. Welcome back, Ryan. Yeah. Welcome back to all three of you. Well, for having me back. Uh, My name is Ryan Kojaste. I San Francisco Bay Area native, born and raised here, did all my schooling here. I'm currently finishing up law school at UC Hastings. 
I'm San Francisco's youngest immigrant rights commissioner, appointed by the Board of Supervisors a month after Donald Trump was elected president. And to be honest, I never envisioned myself running for Congress at 24 years old, let alone against the leader of the Democratic Party. I'd like to begin by saying that I respect Nancy Pelosi very much for her decades of service, but at the end of the day, we do need to pass on the torch. A lot of us are frustrated with the direction the Democratic Party uh, is taking, and unfortunately, the unwillingness to fight for the progressive policies that the people of San Francisco um, believe in. So we, our campaign here, and you can see a lot of young people on our campaign here as well, we're not here running for myself. We're running on an idea that we need to have Congress reflect the demographics of America. We need more young people. We need more working families, more immigrant families, more everyday people who actually understand issues up there with a seat at the table to help determine how we resolve the mess that we're in. Especially this next generation, we're inheriting the greatest mess of all time. We're worse off than our parents' generation. So I think it's really important that we allow marginalized communities to believe that they too can run for office. That's why we're so proud to have a How to Run for Office video series literally teaching people how they too can run for office. We've had to make mistakes along the way. We weren't able to hire consultants. We did this all on our own. Hard work, passion, grit, sacrifice. And we're here today, four days before an election that could very well make us the youngest campaign in history to ever challenge a sitting member of Congress. I think this is an important moment to speak truth to power, to say, look, we're respectful, we're not attacking our incumbent, but at the end of the day, the only way to progress our country is through change. So let's have a meaningful debate on the issues and talk about what is the best direction to take, not only for the Democratic Party, but for the United States of America. And that's why we're in this race. We're excited. We're energized. We're ready to go. And I'm excited personally to vote for myself. I think it'd be an emotional moment given the fact that my parents fled a revolution to come to this country and now their kid is on the ballot. That is the epitome of the American dream. So I'm happy to be here and I look forward to engaging in a dialogue with the other challengers. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan Kajaste. And Diamond Dave, you have a question. I do. Now, each and every one of you, all three of you, uh, we've had conversations earlier on. There's been a lot of water under the bridge since you were last in here. Is that right? But you were in here. Is that right? Just go. Yeah, and what I'd like to ask you, that was really early in the campaign. Yeah. You were just getting started. Now I hear you now, some months down the line, you're really proud of yourselves, really able to, to find yourself in a way, proud of yourself and find yourself, and here you are. Here you are. And I want to ask you, what, uh, what, what, was, what, what has the campaign been like? What have you learned, been learned in this campaign? You've been, going to, uh, you've been going to various functions, I assume. You've been getting out there in the city, I assume. You've been at various forums where the three of you sit together, maybe. I don't know about whether you've seen Nancy Pelosi or had a chance to talk to her, but here we are just a few days before Election Day. What are the lessons? What do you think? What are you going to tell yourself? What do you tell yourself about all the time you put in wanting to be elected? And by the way, to the people who don't know listening out there, this is not going to be ranked choice. Is that right? This is, uh, this is where you vote for a single candidate, and eventually two candidates will be out, and they might both be Democrats. It's not going to be a Democrat or Republican any longer. Those days are over. The top two that can then come out of the primary and will run again. Am I right so far? You got it. 
Okay, so you still have a ways to go. What are you? Hopefully, what are you three? Maybe have a ways to go. So tell us what it's been like. One correction. Uh, you just mentioned Republicans and Democrats. I believe there'll be a Democrat versus a Green on the ballot in November. All right. Well, Barry, how is, it, how is this? You, you've run for office before, um, you said, you mentioned earlier. Um, so what is, to Diamond Dave's question, what has this campaign been like for you? Well, thanks for the question. Um, I have an article that I've just written. It just has been published online uh, for the San Francisco Bayview newspaper. And the title of it um, is, um, it's difficult or it's hard to be a Green Party candidate in a Democratic Party town. Uh, you mentioned forums. I don't get invited. Um, uh, the Democratic clubs, the 38 Democratic clubs in San Francisco, um, uh, ever since Matt Gonzalez narrowly lost uh, to uh, Green Party candidate Matt Gonzalez, narrowly lost to Gavin Newsom back in 2003, all of the Democratic Party clubs in town have been barred uh, from endorsing anyone but a Democrat. Um, uh, and I understand it was the Harvey Milk Club that actually had switched their endorsement from Tom Amiano uh, to Matt Gonzalez since Matt actually uh, got into the runoff against uh, uh, Newsom. And so there's a deliberate attempt uh, in, 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 because um, I, they cannot consider me for an endorsement without losing their, their charter. Um, uh, it also means that the clubs don't invite me. And, and I, so in my article, I say, you know, there are positives and negatives to this. Um, uh, the, obviously, the negative is not being able to speak to people who are voters, uh, even for their consideration. Uh, but the real positive thing is that it has given me much more time uh, to be out on the streets talking to people. I'm not filling out questionnaire, endless questionnaires uh, for all these groups. And this goes to any organization that is tied to the Democratic Party as well, uh, where I don't get consideration. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's really amazing. Uh, I, I, I'll, I can only speak uh, particularly about my history with labor, and I do so in my article. Um, uh, SEIU, uh, back in 2006, they had invited me when I was a candidate for state assembly, and both of the Democratic Party candidates, I, I admitted during the interview uh, I, with the uh, rank and file, they had not done as much for working people as I had. And I've never been invited, been invited back. I, I was told in advance of the meeting not to expect an endorsement. Uh, CNA, the California Nurses Association, I've been working with them for a long time on their number one policy objective, single payer. They won't mention me to their members, uh, yet I support their number one objective. Nancy Pelosi does not. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I've had the most fun, basically, in this campaign. It's been energizing. I, I get up every day and go out, and I'm hitting five, six, seven hundred doors. I'm, I'm having fun. I'm meeting people. This is the best campaign of all the ones that I have uh, done. So... Thanks. Well, that is really interesting. You kind of get to have free range because uh, it's almost like with the systems that set up, you, you have nothing to lose. You know, you can get out there and and uh, talk about the important issues and not have to worry about the backlash of. Hey, what's really concerning to me is the major question, and I have it on my campaign card. 
Why does the leadership of the Democratic Party prioritize military spending over everything else? And that is not the question that I'm allowed to ask in the labor community. It's not the question I'm allowed to any Democratic Party uh, a club. Uh, it's, it's, it, it is protecting the leadership of the Democratic Party, as far as I'm concerned, so that there can be no debate. Okay, thank you. I want to say we know that, but also we know that some people who are, who are, who are, who are enrolled, I've got a friend, Mary, Mary, running for president from Vermont, from Vermont, running for president. Bernie, Bernie Sanders. Bernie, how about Bernie, here's Bernie. Bernie said I'm running a Democratic, but I'm a Democratic Socialist. And in fact, he never, he never gave that up, we always spoke, I'm a Democratic Socialist. And he was kind of a green, he went to Vermont as part of the Back to the Land Green movement. He was running, but I don't think he's ever said, I'm a Democrat in the usual sense. And I think the ways you can get over, ways you can get over, up to Sinclair, socialists back then were running for, for governor of California on the epic to end poverty in California ticket, uh, was a socialist who ran as a Democrat. There are probably ways you can figure it out, but I understand what you say, Barry, and I'm so glad that you're here. Let's hear from the next one. What's it been like? Yeah, Shahid, what has it been like Shahid. for you? Sorry to <laughs> I just caught, caught you off guard a little bit. I apologize for That's that. Golf cart is good. Um, looks like we're just keeping, yeah, we're just keeping the door closed to make sure we can get everybody's voices heard. So, Shahid, this this campaign for you, I know that um, so much advocacy work in your background, but not um, not particularly a fan of electoral politics. What's it been like for you as a candidate for Congress? It's a remarkably privileged opportunity to help mold a public conversation. You know, among the things I've learned are all the different ways that people can participate to help build a voice that is bigger than any one of us. And I've been really humbled by the contributions of all of our different volunteers and all of our different supporters. You know, we have uh, hundreds of supporters. We have hundreds of volunteers. It's a remarkably inspiring thing to witness a community of people come together across so many different communities, right? I mean, to see uh, people concerned about immigrant rights, to see people concerned about the military co-optation of our federal spending priorities, to see people concerned about health care, to concerned about housing, uh, concerned about the co-optation of the internet as a tool for global surveillance or the human rights abuses in which Nancy Pelosi has unfortunately proven complicit. Uh, people concerned about all these different issues are coming together around our campaign and it is a um, it, it's, it's a very humbling feeling. You know, when I started out, I felt very much like a David confronting a Goliath without a sling. And, uh, you know, our supporters are the sling. It's, it, I feel very much like a, um, the possibilities that have emerged are, are greater than what I could possibly have imagined at the outset. And so that's one thing I've learned. I've also at the same time learned that our civic uh, culture has eroded far worse than I even fear. Um, for instance, I've sat in rooms where I've watched a, a community of, of color, um, a high-income community of color uh, at a mayoral forum, greet with tepid applause one of the mayoral candidates who has long championed its interests while then greeting with roaring applause a candidate who very warmly talked about how uh, they would basically fleece this community and oppose its interests at every turn and to watch people cheer as they were basically being fed their own flesh was really disturbing to me and you know it, it exposed for me you know on the one hand uh, for me as a long 
established issue advocate entering the electoral arena, a lot of people told me uh, that people don't have the attention span or the preparation to even understand what I might have to offer and, and teach and share. And I think on the one hand, while I've observed that to be the case in the broader political culture, which you know maybe is more concerned about sports scores than the policies that will enable people to live and thrive and survive in our city. Uh, at the same time, I've seen a lot of people with very well-established concerns who've come out of the woodwork and, and blown wind in our sails. And I'm, I'm very excited to have their support and to represent their interests, both in this race and hopefully in Washington. Well, that's that is that is exciting to to have have these kind of winds come through. Uh, kind of the winds of change you mentioned real quickly there. The 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 people paying attention to sports. Uh, there's a new movement of of people, mostly men across the country, men of color, and and it doesn't matter what color you are, but men who are um, black trying to black out the NFL um, by not going to the games, not buying tickets, not buying paraphernalia, um, and uh, basically just boycotting the NFL and, and, and instead just to jump on that. I mean, think it's because the NFL is boycotting athletes who have the temerity to go so far as to not even raise their voices, but merely to kneel in silent, respectful, peaceful protest. That's so offensive for the NSL NFL that athletes are getting blacklisted. This is basically a countervailing, you know, effort by consumers to flex our purchasing power to hold the NFL accountable to our own constitutional values. And I think it's particularly galling that Nancy Pelosi can't come out and very clearly support a star athlete in her town who's being silenced by an industry. I think it's a very telling reflection of where her own allegiances are. And also that that movement is um, what I, what's particularly kind of moving about it is that in, these people are dedicating themselves to not watch football on Sunday, but instead to actually go out and and do community work and bring young people in and, and like offer their energy to their community as opposed to a lifetime of Sundays on the couch. So um, I see that the 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 changes that are happening on, you know, different levels that we're not necessarily expecting. Um, I can see how maybe that's ex uh, coming into play in this, in this election. So Ryan, maybe we can have your response to Diamond Dave's question um, of, I know you talked a little bit about how this has been really energizing for you, um, but t talk a little bit more about um, what, what the whole process has been and the kind of, maybe kind of the reactions that you've been getting um, being the youngest person to run for Congress. Of course, it's, <clears throat> it's been a learning experience. We went into this really <clears throat> not knowing exactly what the process entailed to run for office. So we've learned so much in the process and we have been very humbled by individuals who've really resonated with our message. But at the end of the day, politics is politics and there'll always be gatekeepers. So the important message that I have for anybody that wants to run is keep your head up. People will try to tear you down. They'll try and thwart your campaign, start rumors, say that you're not qualified or you don't deserve to run. But at the end of the day, it's the people of San Francisco that get to decide, not some powers that be who try and dictate who, whose turn it is to run. So that's why we have been so excited that the press have decided to write about us. The Examiner, Weekly, Chronicle, things that we never thought would be possible because at the end of the day, these are established newspapers. And I think that shows how strong our message is that at the end of the day, I'm representing an idea. I'm not running for Ryan Kojaste. I'm running so that all of us see something being done. 
And that instead of us complaining, we have an opportunity to take power back into our own hands. And it's a hard process. I was very nervous at the beginning, but I think now I've really found my voice. And I know that people are watching this because they want to believe in hope again. They want to believe that if this can be done, if we can set this precedent, break this glass ceiling, it would reverberate throughout the country. And hopefully more young people will say, look, if I'm upset, if I'm frustrated, the best way that I can do something about this and represent my community is throwing my hat in the ring. And it's not about winning or losing at this point, because as Shah had mentioned before, it was about molding a dialogue. We can have people start talking about these issues, because at the end of the day, the important thing is what the future of the Democratic Party is going to look like. And it doesn't look like people who've been around for 30 plus years. I don't think anybody should be in office for that long. It's important to have new voices, and it's important that we actually hold our leaders accountable. And that's why it's been so amazing to be out at these BART stops, at these Muni stops, knocking on doors. People are excited to speak to a candidate. It's been maybe 30 years that someone for Congress has knocked on some people's doors. And I'm saying, look, I'm running for Congress and I want to know what keeps you up at night. And they can believe that you can trust in government again. People don't trust our government. And that's why a lot of the reason that people didn't go out to vote in 2016 or people voted for the candidate saying, let's drain the swamp. And now we live in a nightmare. We got to strengthen the Democratic Party. That's by getting people energized and believing that they can take their frustration out at the polls and elect a new generation of leadership. Well, Ryan, while you have the microphone, um, let's get into some of this policy because I think all of you have illustrated to to me, at least as our guests today, but also as our guests in the past, that you really all seem to have a very kind of big picture um, idea of some of the different things that really need to be addressed in order to really start helping people and making government work for, for um, society. So Ryan, while you still have the microphone, what are some of the, you know, couple top things that, that if you're elected that you would really jump into um, you know, with, with two feet and, and try to enact change on right away. Of course. I'd first like to begin by saying that if I'm elected, I can't do anything on my own, which is why we need more good people not beholden to special interests and corporations running for office so we can actually change our discretionary budget and have it reflect the interests of the American people and not the special interests. I think an issue we all agree on is that our military budget is out of whack. And we gotta, we got to change that. One specific example that really bothered me was in, tw in 2017, the National Defense Reauthorization Act. The Democratic leadership, Harris, Feinstein, Schumer, and Pelosi, all agreed that we need to raise Trump's military budget by $80 billion. Yet we can grant free two-year and four-year higher public education for every family in this country making less than $150,000. The federal government's share would be $47 billion. We could have people going to school, get educated because they're the future and help increase our GDP and, and really bolster our economy. But instead, we're funding the military industrial complex at the expense of the American people. I think at the end of the day, it's so important that we have campaign finance reform, that we got to overturn Citizens United. I can't do that on my own. We need a lot of people to support that. But one thing that's really important that I'd like to really have a national dialogue on is by making incremental progress on campaign finance reform is banning candidate contributions to your own campaign. Why should you have people like Dianne Feinstein who can sit on $8 million of her own money, put it into a campaign? The money should come from the people. Another really important thing for me is universal health care, a single payer Medicare for all health care system. 
Why do I support it? I had my family lose their health care coverage in the recession. I know what it's like to not be able to go to the doctor. I don't want any of my neighbors or anybody in this country to ever lose a home or go bankrupt or become homeless because they can't afford to fight a disease they never wanted in the first place. We need to have that. We have the money to do it. But unfortunately, we have people beholden to pharmaceutical industries and insurance industries. They're not going to do it. And one last thing I want to say, too, that's a really hot button issue is common sense gun reform. I lost my cousin to gun violence in the 90s. This is an issue that is post-partisan. The majority of Americans, 70% of Americans, believe that we need to close the loopholes on private transfers and at gun shows. Why can't we do that? We got to make sure we can get the NRA out of our politics. The best way we can do that is having people who live those issues, who've been affected by those issues, to stand up and instead of being pragmatic, let's be passionate. Let's fight for it. Let's raise hell in Washington. And that's what we hope to do if we have the privilege of being elected to this seat. Thank you, Ryan Kojaste. You definitely should check out. What's your website, Ryan? Kojasteforcongress.com. K-H-O-J-A-S-T-E-H. It's a hard one. Thank you for that, though, and and thank you for, for jumping on um, to talk about some of some of those main issues about health care and uh, gun control and um, and ex- a beyond bloated military budget um, and the things that we could do with some of that um, if it's not uh, just going to um, wasteful projects and, right. and harmful projects. Um, how about we go to Shahid on the, on the same question? Um, I know that you're passionate about some of those things as well. How would you tie in that with, along with some of your other top priorities? Yeah, I'll start with three words, housing, healthcare, and cannabis, and I'll unpack the significance of each of them. Here in San Francisco, and in urban centers around the country, we have an urban housing crisis. And it's entirely predictable. It's the issue in the mayor's race with good reason, and it divides a lot of people who might otherwise agree on a whole range of issues. At the end of the day, whatever you think of the local policy issues surrounding the affordable housing market, at the federal level, it is inescapable that the federal government has effectively abandoned the project of investing in affordable housing. It used to be the case until the late 70s that the federal government invested many billions of dollars in community uh, development block grants through HUD. The budget for those programs has fallen over 70% since Nancy, over 60% since Nancy Pelosi came into office and over 70% since its high water mark in 1977. Uh, rebalancing the federal spending priorities to actually meet the needs of the American people. Housing is a big one. Another one is health care. Uh, the cost of corporate health care are one of the leading causes of both bankruptcy and homelessness. In addition to housing, Homelessness is another issue here in San Francisco. People are very concerned about one of the most uh, crucial levers we can pull at the federal policy lever layer is to make sure that people aren't driven into the street by the costs of corporate health care. It's not just the case that a single-payer, government-paid system would drive down the costs across the system, and it would, both by leveraging an economy of scale, by expanding access to preventive care, which reduces the need for people then to seek more expensive crisis care in need. It also would be an incredibly powerful lever to pull to enable job creation when U.S. businesses, large and small, are no longer burdened with the yoke of providing their employees health insurance, which only businesses in the U.S. have to do, mind you, because businesses in other countries, civilized countries, provide health care for their citizens. Uh, here in the U.S., and that's one of the most uh, dramatic inhibitors of, of, of hiring and job creation, Detroit auto manufacturers spend more money on their employees' health care than they do on the steel in the cars. And 
there's no reason for that if we just allowed uh, the government to leverage the purchasing power that we all enjoy uh, with a single payer system. It would make the system cheap, cheaper abroad, uh, across the field. It would uh, expand and better recognize human rights. It would prevent homelessness. It would enable job creation. The same kind of intersectional policy is apparent with respect to legalizing cannabis at the federal level. We already have legal cannabis here in California, but the war on drugs uh, continues to destroy the lives of individuals, uh, of families, of entire communities, entire races around the country. You know, we have replicated a racial caste system that rivals slavery in the antebellum period in its horror. And, you know, people often forget that slavery remains legal in the United States under the terms of the 13th Amendment, as long as it's a condition of, of punishment. And we have replicated, through the war on drugs, a prison industrial slavery complex, worse, at least in terms of the number of people impacted, uh, uh, than, than, than the one we proudly uh, shrugged off 150 years ago. Um, Legalizing cannabis would not only remove a pretext for a lot of police interactions, it also would enable a boom in a green industry. Like the jobs that would be available in the cultivation, the distribution, the various administrative support functions in the, the cultivation and distribution of a carbon sequestering cash crop. Contrast that with fossil fuel extraction. You've got an industry there with horribly negative environmental externalities. Cannabis is an industry with positive environmental externalities in which it just so happens our state and the Bay Area in particular is very well poised to benefit. If we were able to allow people in the cannabis industry access to banking services and interstate commerce, which is what federal legalization would enable, if we could get veterans access to cannabis instead of addictive opioids to deal with their PTSD, maybe more veterans would actually be able to survive the suicide epidemic that leaves so many of them tragically dead after they come back from armed service abroad. Uh, again, so just to sum that up, Housing, I think, is the most important issue confronting San Francisco. Uh, healthcare, I think, is the most important issue confronting our country. We have the money for both of those, as my allies in the race have, have noted, from the military budget. And I think that legalizing cannabis is another of those uh, post-partisan, trans-partisan positions that the American people have come together around, even as our bipartisan governance system has continued to turn a blind eye. Thank you, Shahid. Shahid. Time and date. Amazing. And the minds that a couple of uh, that uh, housing, healthcare, and cannabis. Maybe cannabis can help pay for it. Let's figure out how to be to do that. Help pay for healthcare and housing. Number one, I think you might. And number two, and I'm about to get to all three of you. Number two, I hadn't thought of your vision, but David and Goliath. David the Slingshot, he was from here. He was around, the locals were all around him. He was going to become king eventually, not so. And Goliath was from somewhere else. And so I liked you, David and Goliath. I hadn't seen it that, quite that way, and I, and I did the moment you mentioned it. David the Slingshot, homeboy. But what I said, all three of you. Tuesday is Election Day. Our next program here of the Common Thread Collective will be Friday. And it will be on each and every Friday after that. And I want to invite all three of you, all of you, and in fact, you brought together your campaign staff, I want to invite them too. You got Ryan. To all of you, thank you. Talk about building a movement. The movement that's going to go beyond Election Day. You're going to have a few days rest, but then it's ready to jump in again. What's it going to look like? How we can do it? I want to invite all three of you to come back. And we're not the voice of what's happening, but we're our voice of building that movement in these troubled times. What do you think of that? Mutiny Radio. Come on back. Sounds great. 
Well, yeah, because we're really only halfway there yeah, because this this, uh, this June 5th election is the primary exactly. for this uh, for this seat in the House of Representatives for District 12. Um, and yeah, it, well, I mean, Pelosi as an incumbent obviously is going to garner a large amount of the June 5th vote because a lot of people kind of, you know, passively vote for the people who they think are good and already doing a good job and are already there. And um you know that that's that's a lot of the thinking behind voting, um, unfortunately. But uh, we're we're doing something different here at Muni Radio. We want to make sure that voices are heard. We want to make sure that um, maybe some somebody in this room is going to be the number two candidate in June, so that this uh, the campaign and this coalition of progressive ideas can build up to the November election. And like Ryan was saying, it's important most of all to get um, these. Uh, get the democratic establishment at the very least um, to recognize that times have changed. We're going beyond all that. Democrat, Green, let's get together. Love one another right now. We're here in San Francisco and the movement is building. It's called resistance. It started with the Women's March. In my mind, it started with me, the new level. And Obama was the Women's March. That wasn't Democrats, but it was what it was. People were coming together. Millions, thousands, thousands of women coming together. Well, I believe there's that's, that that's where the leadership is coming from. And that's what I say just to end up. Goddesses galore. Sisters glorious. Well, on that note, and Barry, I, did, I didn't mean to... Um like not give you a chance to uh, answer that question. I thought that in, in a sense, because you were talking about the, the military budget, that that was um, kind of obviously the biggest concern for you. Do you want to tie that into any other issues? Well, yes, I'm very glad that uh, she had brought up the issue of housing uh, because it really does dominate uh, uh, the discussion for uh, our mayoral candidates um, as it should. Um, and I appreciate that a little bit of the additional background info, info regarding uh, federal funding, the lack thereof. Uh, uh, but the additional point that folks really do uh, need to understand is that homelessness in America um, was not a major, major issue like it is today uh, until the early 1980s. And that was a direct uh, result of the federal government uh, stopping to fund workforce housing. Um, I get, have given the example before of, uh, I have a niece who's living in a two bedroom condo in the suburbs of Phoenix. And, and it, because it was a federal project that was built in the mid 1960s, um, at the time to move into it, families, I only needed to put $1,000 down and then you just, you pay um, uh, basically fees that are used to uh, maintain the property, pay property taxes or whatever, uh, but the property is never bought and sold again, so there's no speculation going on. And my brother was able to buy in, in uh, on 1990 for $10,000, you know, so from 1966 until 1990, that's all it, it went up. And I asked him last year, Randy, if you were to, quote unquote, sell that unit, how much would you get? And he said, oh, about $10,000. You know, here we are 28 years later, 27 years. Um, and, and so my niece is living in that apartment, hasn't been a, a condo, hasn't been formally transferred to her yet. And she's paying $409 a month, which is about one third to one fourth what the market rate is in that area. 
federally funded housing that is run by the tenants and is never bought and sold again. It has the power to provide affordable housing in this country, and it has the power to make a significant impact on our homeless crisis. And what's really been disappointing is that Nancy Pelosi has not been an advocate for restoring the HUD budget for workforce housing all of these years. And instead, the choice has been made in Washington to have the for-profit real estate industry uh, actually be trying to provide all of our housing, which hasn't worked. It hasn't worked. We have homeless veterans dying on our streets every single day. This is immoral. Our politicians, every single one says we support the troops. But I say they do not. If we have someone who has given their service, their lives, and they come back to this country and they are treated like dirt. That's, that to me is, is just the ultimate, ultimate in hypocrisy. Thank you, Barry. And again, I just want to remind folks, you are listening to the Common Thread Collective here on MutinyRadio.fm in the Mission District of San Francisco. And I'm Global Val here with Diamond Dave, and we're interviewing three of the candidates who are running for the House of Representatives seat going up against incumbent Nancy Pelosi for District 12 here in California. And um, it's, I like how we're having this discussion here today. Dave? Yeah, and what I'm thinking now is that uh, next Tuesday, next Friday, that's a week from today, people. The election will be behind us. I want to invite all three of you, in fact, each and every person in this room, to come on back, invite some folks, and let's take a look at the results. Take a look and see how it looks till next uh, till November. How it looks for the next the uh, next election. Well, we can take a look and uh, read, read some election returns and scratch our mutual heads together and see how that movement, we, that, uh, all of you have talked about in one way or another, how that movement can emerge and how we can bring that uh, come together right now and love one another. I mean, that's the song. And we do it, learning to love and loving to learn. So let's do that, Val. Next week, you guys. We'll have a little decompression. Decompression. <laughs> take a look at the result. It's called Where We Go From Here. A where. We go from here, not just where we go from here, but a more aware do we go from here. Are you guys down for that? Yeah, we'll see. Presentation. Um, there's a next, the next weekend uh, after the, the election, uh, the California Green Party is having a state meeting in Stockton. Uh, and I am going to go uh, to that. And I'm probably, it's Saturday and Sunday, and I'm planning on uh, trying to get out of town early on, on Friday and maybe going to see the Stockton Ports play baseball on Friday evening. So I don't think I'm going to be here, Dave. I'm, I'm very sorry. Yeah, I'm kind of in the I'm, same I'm boat. I'm happy to come back the, the following yeah. week. I, th no. I think we're all in the same boat. We'd love to join you. It might be hard to schedule on the air, but you know, my, my decompression no looks like DJing a music festival, so I, I, I won't be in the city that Friday, but I look forward to the discussion. Right on, Shahid. Yes, the multi-talented Shahid Buttar. He's a poet, too, by the way, and a DJ. Um, but I, I want to open this up because uh, we've got a little more time, but I know some, some folks have a little bit of a 
time constraint, um, to questions from our audience. And I, I saw that, uh, is it David Grace over there? Uh, if you want to ask a question and, and see if our candidates here want to address that, um, go ahead. Thanks, Val. Hey, I, uh, regarding Hunter's point, uh, it's been raised uh, earlier in the discussion. For 25 years, the Navy has been responsible for cleaning it up. They've been going out of their way to not clean it up, and they've been lying about their activities. So I'm wondering how uh, each of the candidates are uh, facing that off. Uh, property is being sold. Uh, I think Willie Brown tried to put the ballet school on top of that hazardous waste dump. Uh, they clearly don't have any respect for uh, for anybody uh, in the sale of that property or the cleanup, and that actually includes Treasure Island. You got do, do you have to be? Yeah. I do have to go, but I'll just quickly say that I think it's disgusting, and it shows a lack of regard for the sanctity of human life. And I think that we definitely need to be prioritizing that. I believe Supervisor Cohen recently championed an initiative that would have them retest the soil. I think that that needs to uh, be a priority for our city and also for the residents. And I do hope that if it is shown that it uh, is unsafe and it's inhospitable, that we immediately find a place for the residents to go. And I think that um, it's just disgusting. There's no other way to, to frame it. And I guess the question would be, well, you know, um, no pressure here. Go ahead, Barry. It's more than disgusting. Um, I, I believe there's some corruption here. Um, Dr. Ahimsa Samchai has been writing about this issue and uh, the toxic soils, and not only just the Bayview, but uh, out on Treasure Island as well, uh, for a long time, many years. There have been calls for hearings, which have been ignored by members of our Board of Supervisors, by our state representatives, by our federal representatives. The fact that finally this year, there was proof that 90 to 97% of the soils tested were false. And there was still silence coming from Nancy Pelosi's office is absolutely inexcusable. Here is a federal Superfund site in San Francisco, in her district, a contractor being paid tens of millions of dollars to do the work who is clearly falsifying, and there is silence from Pelosi's office. And finally, finally, Malia Cohen, Supervisor Cohen, steps forward to call for a hearing. It's embarrassing. I'm glad she did, finally. But why didn't Sophie Maxwell before that? What? what? The health and welfare of people in this district are not worth asking questions about while other people are making money? This, this is inexcusable. Yeah. I certainly agree with, with Barry and Ryan. This is inexcusable, it's disgusting, and it's shameful. And I think it represents an all-too-consistent pattern of our major parties putting profit, 
before people and corporations before communities. And you can see that revealed in such uh, glaring and, and unapologetic terms in the Hunter's Point fraud, the corporate fraud to remedy military toxic waste. I mean, in some respects, it, and, and we're talking about a toxic waste dump under the site that's supposed to be the location for the next wave of housing here in the community. And you know, if you, if you think about the intersections among those issues, the, the Hunter's Point scandal almost neatly encapsulates all the different things we're talking about, right? It's housing. It's the military uh, industrial complex co-opting our communities. It's the commitment to, in this case, corporate fraud. And I'll note a couple points here. One, there is an absent congressional oversight role that Congress is charged with playing, not just specific to Hunter's Point, but across the country. There are any number of Superfund sites that reflect environmental racism on the part of the military when dumping, for in this case, radioactive waste for a generation and a half. And now we're supposed to build housing on this? Right? I, I think there's another piece here that relates to constituent services. One of the very uh, basic things that members of Congress do, aside from guarding the Constitution against foreign and domestic enemies, is represent the rights of their constituents. When constituents have gone to Representative Pelosi's office, they've gotten a deaf ear and a stiff arm. And that, I think, is an abdication of the role. I dare say it's disqualifying. I think it's as disqualifying as expanding the surveillance powers of the Trump administration or allowing a criminal president to have a budget without any fixes for immigrant students or voting to keep the troops deployed instead of letting them come home finally after the longest conflicts in American history. I think it's as disqualifying as presiding over the evisceration of the federal budget for affordable housing, landing the city in a housing crisis. If accountability means anything, it is the need for us to shrug off a stale generation of leadership and usher in some new voices because, quite frankly, San Francisco has not been represented and entirely too long, and, and few examples uh, reflect that as deeply and as intersectionally as the scandal at Hunter's Point. Thank you, and thank you for the question. Um, yes, we, I, I, I agree with um, what was what's been said here. You know, it was the the, the Navy who then um, contracted out to the private company and then uh, the Navy itself turning its back on the uh, the um, you know, gross negligence of the contractor that they hired um, that is not an American that's very un-American if, if you're gonna um, you know say that you're gonna, here to protect and defend uh, the United States of America and its citizens uh, that is a huge failure um, and you know what I mean just to jump into this conversation because I can't really help myself. Um, it's, it, it just seems like a, a legacy uh, that has been growing of um, irresponsibility uh, on the part of government um, or inability or the fear of representatives um, to actually raise these issues and to stand up for them in Washington, D.C. Um, now, I know, Shahid, you, you've done a lot of some work in Washington, D.C. Barry, have you been um, done any policy work in in Washington, D.C. before? Not in Washington, but I've, I've worked on legislation uh, here in San Francisco and have uh, successively passed legislation that has affected uh, tens of thousands of people here in, you know, mostly in the area of raising uh, a minimum wage uh, in the area of, of a living wage campaign. So, 
So my question, I guess, to both of you, because um, Ryan had to go. Thank you, Ryan Kojaste, for being part of this panel discussion, this forum, um, is how do you think, I mean, if you're elected as the District 12 representative for San Francisco, um, what do you, how do you how do you see that that environment of Washington D.C. Like, what are your kind of expectations of that, and uh, how do you think you'd kind of try to um, work within that environment that seems to put a lot of pressure on people to um, make you know corrupt compromises? You know, I, I'm, I've been in D.C. before. It is a cesspool, uh, and the description of uh, Washington compelling compromises, it really only works that way if you're advancing your career first. If you're willing to put principles or the rights and interests of your constituents or the Constitution before your career, I don't actually think serving in Washington is that, I mean, it's complicated, obviously. There's any number of things to track and stay familiar with, but it, it's not nearly as... Um, uh, uh, complicated as it might sound. It's basically a knife fight. And one of the things that makes it somewhat complicated, do you mind if I close the door? No, yeah, sorry. Thank you. Um, one of the things that makes it particularly complicated is the challenge for... Uh, um, Maybe we'll, we'll get somebody to, to close the door. Yeah, behind. thank you. Can you close the door behind you? Thank one you. One of the things that make uh, DC complicated is the um, diversion of interest. You know, that we're told in the partisan arena that there is a tension between conservative Republicans and liberal Democrats and there's a fight in the middle and it's that simple. And it's not because the complicity of corporate Democrats in advancing conservative principles, in undermining progressive reforms, that's, that's really the only thing that makes it complicated, but therein lies a great deal of opportunity. So there are two particular opportunities that I would explain uh, that are available to, uh, to me if I'm able to represent um, the 12th Congressional District of California. In the U.S. House of Representatives, the first is oversight. So I've written a lot about the erosion of federal oversight, particularly of national security agencies. My work at the Electronic Frontier Foundation when I was running the Bill of Rights Defense Committee, my work before that at Muslim Advocates. You know, I've basically played a citizen oversight role of the FBI and the NSA and the DEA for the better part of a decade. I've organized coalitions of dozens of civil rights groups that have posed questions for senators who they've then posed at Senate Judiciary Committee hearings. Uh, I've been arrested in the Senate Armed Services Committee for asking a question that no one in Congress has the cojones to raise. Uh, and this, this opportunity to ask questions of officials under oath and get answers instead of getting locked up for it uh, would be particularly compelling. Some of the questions that I would particularly force answers to, how many Americans have been subjected to so-called incidental collection by the National Security Agency? Uh, you know, how many uh, Americans have, uh, uh, you know, continue to bear penalties as a result of convictions for nonviolent drug offenses that have no constitutional basis for being criminalized in the first place, right? How many veterans could be served if we allowed uh, non-pharmaceutical treatments for depression and PTSD or anxiety, right? These are crucial questions that no one is asking that in an oversight role, uh, you could really get to the bottom of I'll, I'll another one that is particularly sharp for me in the wake of the last few weeks. We now have an international war criminal leading the CIA. And you know th this, this, the CIA torture scandal and the drone strikes uh, escalation of the agency's long established and continuing enduring human rights abuses is an, a perfect example of the bipartisan co-optation of our constitution because Democrats have had their hands all over it. And this is an arena where as a member of Congress, not only 
only would I be uh, actively investigating government agencies through the oversight role, shaking facts loose to inform the news cycle, being an ally to whistleblowers instead of the kinds of members of Congress who throw them under the bus consistently. Um, in addition to that, there is a profound opportunity to work across the wings of the political system to outflank a bipartisan, a bipartisan establishment uh, that has its head in the sand. We've already established any number of places, healthcare, housing, drug policy, uh, foreign policy, where uh, corporate Democrats are basically promoting conservative principles. The way around that, there are on each of these issues, not each of them, but on many of them, certainly drug policy, parts of the foreign policy equation, civil liberties, and political process reform, there is a consensus across the political spectrum and available alliances with libertarian members of Congress who have before with, joined with progressive Democrats already overcome the institutional inertia of the bipartisan center. Uh, I'll just move one last thing. There was a recent study uh, done, I believe it was with uh, professors from Columbia University who uh, documented empirically and with some de degree of statistical rigor that the most uh, uh, prone to authoritarianism uh, perspective in the United States are centrists, which is to say it is the bipartisan establishment that by appeasing a criminal president is in danger of ducking us all into the punch of emerging authoritarianism. And, and that is the train that I hope to, to stop from reaching the next station. And that requires members of Congress who are willing to throw themselves on the tracks. And that's exactly what I'm going to Congress to do. John. I have one question. I mean, Saeed. I have one question. Do you, do you take time at all just to be an ordinary human being? Or is your mind going at all times and all times with all this stuff? It's kind of mind-blowing to hear you. And I just want to say I love you, brother. I Take you some too, time to be an ordinary human being like the rest of us. How's that? You know, I love you too, Dave. You've been an inspiration to me for, for 15 years. Folks, some folks, some of your listeners might not know that when we launched the 16th and Mission Outdoor Art Convergence, uh, which has had an outdoor open mic every week for the last 15 years, one of our original inspirations was our host, Diamond Dave Whitaker. Uh, and uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a normal person to the extent that I have passions outside politics. In fact, I was just out at 16th and Mission last night. Uh, uh, at 11.30, singing the blues. Okay, uh, well, that's and, all that. And he's going to DJ a festival next weekend, I, I, from what I hear. We're doing all this stuff, but it's up to you to talk to yourself a bit. You're talking to me, you're talking to everybody here, you're talking to the listener, but talk to yourself a, bit, a little bit sometime and say, how I can, can I take some time after Tuesday to take some time? And you, you, you don't want to give yourself a brain explosion too much because I'm like, well, my God, what's going to happen to this dude's brain? And just take a little quiet, a little rest, and we'll see what happens. You're one of you, maybe you, will be the number two with the Nancy Pelosi and one of the two of you. But the rest will come, and then then will be the, the first day of the rest of our lives. And let's figure out what to do and how to do it and come together as equals, as brothers and sisters, sisters and brothers, human beings here at the planet. In the greenest of the green, state, city, neighborhood, the mission, green. And thank you. In fact, I just brought in by myself. Uh, I, I think, I think, I think what we're getting down to here is that Diamond Dave cares about everybody's well-being, as we do here on the Common Thread Collective. Um, but uh, being here today has been a really enlightening conversation. I'm glad that we got to have three of the candidates to come into the same room. We can kind of see where some of these issues, um, you know, 
definitely crossover between and amongst the candidates, but also just within this kind of voting block that we really um, can have here, especially in San Francisco, a movement of people um, who are seen and are no longer have the blinders on about the two-party system that has really failed us in many respects. Um, you know, I, I also would, you know, give credit to all of our public servants, but um, certainly um, not to the uh you know the, the the corruption of of those values that may have put them in there in the first place. But I think that the values in this room um, really represent a new era of ethical uh, representation um, and certainly passion that can take us forward and out of some of this mess. So uh, what do you say? Housing, healthcare, and cannabis. Let's figure it out. Dave, just keep it organic, brother. That's right. Don't pan it. Keep it organic. Shahid Buttar, um, your your uh, website is shahidforchange.us. That's right. And Barry Hermanson, your website is? Barryforcongress.org. And Bar it's a number four. Barry for Congress. B-A-R-R-Y. Yes. Congress.org. Sorry. Yeah. Barryforcongress.org. Oh, thank you. Oh, we're getting, we're getting taken care of here because this is community. Thank you. Um, thank you all for being here. Um, if you have any other final comments you want to make, and then we'll kind of wrap it up and, and uh, go back, go into the rest of our programming here this afternoon. But we're certainly happy that you're here and uh, flexible. Go ahead, Barry. Well, I just, I just want to say to all the other candidates, um, during this last few days uh, before the election, it's uh, traditionally it's a time of just incredible stress. You wake up in the morning and you say, what is it that I haven't done? I, I, what can I do extra in order to get up over the top? Um, I've done this before. And, and uh, you know, I finally it's, I finally decided it's I've done the work. I know you've done the work, Shahid, uh, that it, it's time just to have some fun yes do some work do some work but enjoy the last few days of the campaign yeah and thanks val for bringing us together it's always fun to share a forum thanks you guys Right. Well, folks, you have been listening to the Candidates Forum for District 12 of California, re representing San Francisco in the House of Representatives. Shahid Buttar, Barry Hermanson, and Ryan Kajaste joined us here today. They're all challenging Nancy Pelosi, and I wish all of you great um, luck, and I think... Um, it's beyond luck right now. We're just, uh, I think i think we're seeing a real change in this country, and I think that a lot of change is possible. And we're, we're talking about it, and we're seeing it happen right here, right now, at Mutiny Radio, here in the Mission District of San Francisco, uh, where we like to pr uh, support and promote and practice free speech um, because it, it's, a, it's kind of a solemn reminder that um, there are many people in this world, and not just uh, far and away, but in this community um, who don't have the right to exercise their right to vote um, or fear exercising their right of free speech. And, um, you know, we're here to send uh, love and positivity uh, and a hope for peace and that we can have all this, uh, these wonderful new leaders who are emerging to come out and, and move us in that direction in a, in a grander systemic sense uh, while the rest of us here hanging out in the Mission District uh, can, you know, warm your hearts. Uh, lead with a guitar in our hand 
and my brother John is coming back with a song, and then we have these two sisters, these two sisters just come in. Hey, Val. Then we have these two sisters who are going to be playing some guitar, too. Oh, wonderful. So leaders can exist. But by the way, I, I say goddesses galore, sisters galore, this women stepping up, hey, Michelle. Hey. And one of the ways to step, might step up is with a guitar in your hand. Right on. So, so John, get up there. And then these two women are, are, are getting together, and they're going to come up and uh, take us to our next uh, whatever. All right. Well, while John gets set up, I'll play a little music while he gets his microphones adjusted. You're listening to the Common Thread Collective. And remember, we love you. Show! 
What a day here at Mutiny Radio. That was some music from Rastaria, uh, that song. I love to play that song. It's called Illegal. Um, illegal immigration is just an illusion. And as Diamond Dave would say, borders are just a line on their map. And so here at the Common Thread Collective, uh, we, we, we believe in coming together because we all share this one planet. And uh, why would we want to hurt each other to share it? So... We've got John Rodanio back up on the stage. He opened the show for us today, and he's back with his guitar. And take it away, John. Welcome back. Thank you. So, uh, although I just did a song by, uh, open with a song by my wife, Vicki Leitner, I'm going to do another Vicki Leitner song because I think some of our candidates need to hear it. So, this one's called Peanuts. They have a salt peanuts. Peanuts. They give us peanuts. The Democrats give us peanuts. Republicans, they take our peanuts. They take our poor peanuts away. and Republicans really the same their only difference just in name Dems give you peanuts, Republicans take them away, bear the boat deep as shit and pay for play this land is your land, it ain't no more, rule by big business and that's the score peanuts they give us peanuts Democrats Give us peanuts, Republicans, they take our peanuts, they take our peanuts away. Shrinking middle class, they ought to make a fuss, sadly if you're poor tossed under the bus. No aristocracy, ha, that's a joke, workers are just slaves renamed held by yoke. People come together, we can't just shout and scream. Stand up and join in a global dream. Peanuts. They give us peanuts. Democrats. Give us peanuts. Republicans. They take our peanuts. They take our peanuts away. land is your land, this earth is one, can live on 20 bucks, we're not scum, can let them rape the earth, treat us like their minions, people can up, we've done this before, yes we can say that it is glass war, peanuts, they give us peanuts, democrats, give us peanuts, Republicans, they take our peanuts, they take our poor peanuts away. Speak truth 
the power, don't sit on your ass. Shout, scream, don't buy from the ruling class. Raping the earth, causing mass slaughter. Poisoning the air and land, killing sons and daughters. People come together, it's their finest hour. We got the numbers to take the power. Peanuts. They're giving us peanuts. The Democrats. Give us peanuts. Republicans, they take our peanuts. They take our peanuts away. <laughs> right on, John Rodano. <laughs> Uh, and Vicky for her for her her lyrics to that song. You have any uh, shows coming up, John? Uh, I not till September. Not till September. September. So I'll come back in and if I talk about it now, nobody will remember. <laughs> that's possible. That's probably true. September so, uh, seems right around the corner. Would you like to sing another song? Yeah. So I'm gonna do another song uh, called Mr. San Francisco, and this pretty much covers everything that a a. a candidate might want to know about San Francisco, so. Well, I'm packing up my bags, get set for moving day. Gotta go and find me a cheaper place to stay. You know the rents, they keep on rising. It's getting be more than I could pay. Well, I might be better off if I just move across the bay. So I'm checking out the Craigslist, nothing coming up. Go to get some coffee, it's four bucks a cup. And the deli on the corner is now a salam on there. For a buck I get a pickle and a really cold-hearted stare. San Francisco's moving out, Manhattan's moving in. You could hardly tell the difference when you're looking from Marin. If you want to understand it, you gotta read some Howard Sin. Cause the working poor are moving out. And big money's moving in. And now the artists and musicians getting scattered all around. The teachers get the message there's no place for them in town. And the tourists wanna see the painted ladies, not just houses in the old field court. But the color in the city just ain't gonna be here no more. Well, I'm Mr. San Francisco, I don't wanna leave. I can't beat the magic of Mayor Lee Sleeve. So much money in the city, I never believe. So they're building all these condos, they're blotting out the sky. But none of them are built for me, there's nothing I can buy. Just a bunch of stacked up boxes, ticky tacky, and they all look the same. Move over, Nostradamus. Melvina has much better aim. That's Melvina Reynolds. Well, whatever happened to the power of the vote? All these changes being made by the biggest bank note. So I went to City Hall to see if I can get me some kind of break. But they're having a big old party. And they gave me a piece of cake. 
Well, there's so much construction, they're building dead and night. And all the backroom deals will never see the light. And they say if they keep building, there'll be housing for one and all. It's about the biggest scam that they ever kicked up in City Hall. San Francisco, I'm just hanging on. I try to tell my story to the gate and the cron. They act like I'm just talking about some dirty strap on. Well, you never know what really means until you finally go to miss the obsessive things you left back in San Francisco. Just another little piece of my heart, and it really ain't so well hid. I'm gonna come back to visit. Just like Mr. Tony Bennett did. And now we used to be a city of love with flowers in our hair. But now, but now the blue recycle bins are the only way we share. Will it take another earthquake to get us all back together? With Joe DiMaggio in that soup line, it made us feel a whole lot better. Got through the darkest days of murder, buried milk, and the mayor couldn't stop the Kool-Aid killer, 900 lost in prayer. And if you eat a Twinkie, you know the craziness just won't stop. And my wife's on the corner, and she's giving some flowers to a cop. Well, I'm Mr. San Francisco, I don't want to leave. I can't beat the magic of Mayor Lee Sleeve. So much money in the city, you never believe. Well, from Chinatown to the Mission, Richmond to Hunter's Point, everybody sits together when they go to Tommy's Joint. But there's a dark side to the city as her class is split into two. Need a bigger room in the North Beach Saloon. Then drink away your troubles with the blues. Here's some blues. Well, we got this rainbow of love. From Castro to the Ferries, we won the Super Bowl, we won the World Series, and we partied all night in the street with our glory for happy and our glory and our fame. But too many had no home to go to, and that's our biggest shame. Right on, hey, John. Uh, you always, you always nail it. It's so good to have you here. And hey, outside the door, Val, is two of Trio Cambio. I was calling it a Trio Cambio duet. So let's put some music on. And they're out there practicing. I know they'll have something which will fit right in. I'm seeing the sisters standing up. Trio Cambio duet coming up. So put some music on if you will. I will. And I'm sure you have some things to say. I'm going to go get them. I do. Well, also, I'll let you guys know that MAP is happening tomorrow. That's the Mission Arts and Performance Project. Um, I'm sure that the duo of Trio Cambio will be mentioning that. They're going to be performing in MAP, I think, at the Secret Garden tomorrow evening. MAP um, is a free event where you can go to various spots around the Mission District that have opened up their doors um, to become 
art and performance venues. So check out the schedule for tomorrow, June 2nd, MAP, that's M-A-P-P-S-F.com, or on Facebook, Mission Arts and Performance Project. I'm going to play a song from a band that a one of the founding members and elders of MAP uh, is part of, I'm talking about Jorge Molina, and who knows, we might see him a little bit later today. He sometimes comes in right before MAP um, to give a blessing, but um, uh, Jorge Molina is part of a really cool band called the Troublemakers Union, and he gave us their CD called Fight Back, and the song that we love to play the most off of this, um, even though they're all very good, is the anti-fascist funk.
do we want to whine or do we want to win? Do we want to whine or do we want to win? Moral, emotional, global solution. You already know the real solution. But liberals, all liberals, are scared of revolution. Don't let the greedy take over. Don't let sexism recover. Troublemakers Union. Jorge Molina is in that band. We're the troublemakers. Help us save the world. 
That's very appropriate for the Common Thread Collective, wouldn't you say, Diamond Dave? I would. I'm speaking of Harry Molina. Map. A, a, a day that we're inexplicably intertwined with, I'll put it that way. Map is the map, the mission. Arts and Performance Project is going to be coming up Saturday, that's tomorrow. And so it's coming fast, faster and faster, scene. So with Allison, the library lady. Allison, what is going to be the theme and what are the high points of this week's map? Oh, well, um, this week's map is tomorrow, um, not far from here, 24th Street. That's it. Um, 16th Street, 18th Street. There are a lot of new venues, and I myself am trying to find out if um, if the website is functional. We'll find that out momentarily. But the main thing is that the theme of MAP is unity in resistance. And that's where I feel like we started the year, or we ended in December 2017 with something similar, and now here we are, halfway through 2018, oh my and resisting every which way, and some unity is what we like to come to consensus to at our meetings. Unity is what we need when resisting. So, so map is Saturday. Map Any high points? You didn't mention the uh, well, up and down the street there'll be stuff. That's right, uh, and the, um, and right around the corner at yeah, Secret Garden. Secret Gardens, for which, sure. Which um, is one of my favorite spots. Rain or shine, because of all those wonderful trees, the outdoor benches, um, holiday lights all year round, <laughs> and often candles and um, wonderful incense. performers and incense too. So um, I guess that would lead in to our musicians, and then I can talk a little more later. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a good, Thanks, a good point. Now, Val, yeah, you're right, uh, Allison. We have two members of uh, Secret Gardens. They've been the hosts uh, month after month. I'm talking about Trio Cambio. But here are two of them, I guess we could call it this duet Cambio. And we're so glad to see them come through the door, rolling in. So glad to see you. Uh, we see you here that somewhere you said, let's go down to the Common Thread Collective and play a couple songs. And you did it. Welcome. Let us, let us know, let us hear what it is you're gonna be about. At the piano and at the guitar. Thanks so much, um, Allison and Diamond Dave and Global Val. Yes, we will be holding down the secret garden. We're actually going to be opening it up with a ceremony um, honoring the four directions. There'll be conch shells and incense to honor the ancestors. And then also we will have a um, cosmic sound journey called No Man's Jam, a women-led open jam that um, we will be looking forward to. And so we're here to promote that. And first I will be playing a short Chopin etude in F minor.
Beautiful. Oh my goodness. What a what a classical treat that was. And what a joy. And I see that your third member, Cambia, has just come to the door. Hey, one song. So glad you're here. <laughs> you guys feel free. The stage is yours. And the world is ours. Um, Trio Cambio has grown a fourth member, which we now have Eric Costello Lee on the guitar. <laughs> and we actually never play um, covers, so you just heard me play a uh, classical Chopin cover, 200 years old. And now we're going to do another cover called yeah. The Rivers of Babylon. Uh -huh. Oh, nice. Oh, you're going to. Take me to the river, reggae on the river. There's, yeah, if you want to use them. Other guy. Maybe, yeah, Windsong, if you want to use the uh, microphone that Kay had over by the um, piano. Are you playing the piano? Are you not going to shake and sing? Hi, everybody. How are y'all doing? Good, Winsong. So it's kind of an interesting series of events that got me here at the same time as these wonderful people, but I'm delighted to be here. It's always good to play. Are we in tune? Hmm? Okay. Um... I'll take a deep breath together. One more, just to feel it out. Imagine us being by a river. Yeah, and carrying carrying the history of our beloved world and of all the struggles. Um, of our past and of the different strains of humanity coming together as one um, and transforming, transforming through history to a time of acceptance and a time of deeper understanding and a time of, of, of love. So, two, three. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. So let the so let the word of my mouth 
please come join us and see us at MAP. We're going to be at the Secret Garden, which is on Harrison between 23rd and 24th. We'll be doing the it's No Man's Jam. got a yellow jam. gate, and the gate will be open. We'll have a chalkboard outside announcing MAP, Mission Arts and Performance Project. Uh, tomorrow at 7 p.m. 7 p.m. in the 7 Secret Garden. 7 p.m. in the Secret Garden. Oh, how special. There. Yeah. It goes until 9. 9. Yeah, we have a great program lined up, too. How beautiful. Thank you so much. Com Combia. So, so oh, D Dave wants to know if you if you want to do yeah. one more. If you will. Yeah. You want to do this guitar? Yeah, you want to say it? Yeah. You can do and, and Erica's new to, to Combia. Erica is, well, so, yes, so we were Trio Combio with Sophia. She's at work, and so now Erica's on drums, mostly. How and cool. So now we are four. Combia meaning change and changing and ever-changing, and we are now changing. And now is the change. Yeah. It's evolution. <laughs> evolution, that's right. And room for, you know, room for growth. And maybe mm -hmm. always like have a place for expansion in our lives and like just being aware of that and mm -hmm. when it should happen and mm -hmm. what way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so this song may be familiar to some of you here. to dedicate this action this action <laughs> this yes. song which is an action yes um to those of us who came out yesterday morning to call attention to the problem that we have in san francisco of ignoring things that are very important such as such as housing and housing is a human right we will not give up the fight and we were part of this action yesterday called Stop Texploitation. We called the Google buses to a halt. We piled all the electric scooters <laughs> in front of them. And we said, no electronic device should have more rights than a human being. So this song goes out to those who aren't maybe are unaware of the senses that they have and they're just walking around like to the world around you when you're when you're when you're gonna realize To be seen, you must take off your disguise. We are the movers and the makers and the shakers. We are the movers and the makers and the earthquakers. We are the movers and the makers and the shakers. 
We are the movers and the makers and the shakers. We are the movers and the makers and the earthquakers. We are the movers and the makers and the shakers. Just to call attention to our abilities as human beings who look around us. Also known as neighbors. Neighbors? Absolutely. It's not such a crazy concept, you know, San Francisco. We have something we like to say here. There is nothing you can do or say that'll make us turn up. and the shakers we are the movers and the makers and the earthquakers we are the movers and the makers and the shakers we are the movers and the makers and the shakers we are the movers and the makers and the earthquakers we are the movers and the makers and the shakers join us we are the movers and the makers and the shakers we are the movers and the makers and the earthquakers we are the movers and the Change it up. Power to the people. Change it up. Power to the people. Shake it up. Power to the people. Change it up. Shout out to Diamond Dave. Shout out to Global Val. Global Val. Shout out to Allison in the studio. Common Thread Collective. Yeah. Don't panic. Don't panic. Keep it organic. Don't panic. Keep it organic. Yeah. 
are the movers. That's why we're here. So move it. Yeah. Cast a wide net. Cast a wide net. Don't panic. Keep it organic. Yeah. Cambia, today. Wow. Oh, that was so sweet. I can only say today is the first day of the rest of our life. Let's keep it moving, keep it rolling, because that's what we're we about to do. Summer is ahead, and the election day is next Tuesday, and beyond that, there's going to be a lot of interesting things happening. And so come on down to the Secret Garden tomorrow at 7 o'clock. It's going to be a beautiful evening, and it'll be a special event ceremony, I believe. Do I have that right, Val? That's what the word is. So let's do it. Thank you, Cambia, for gracing us with your presence and your energy and making sure that we're all present. Um, that's so important, and it really helps to uh, boost what, what we're all about here on the Common Thread Collective. And, yeah, go on out to the Secret Garden for MAP. Check out Mission Arts and Performance Project. It's going to be going on throughout the evening, free events in various spaces and places. Uh, Library Lady has the schedule right in front of her. Oh, yeah, there's actually some newer spots. Um, well, yeah, Secret Garden, 23rd, on Harrison near 23rd, 2775 Harrison. Wait, Pathos on Harrison wait. is often ground zero after party. Starts at 9 o'clock with David Kubrin and Jorge Molina. Um, I heard he might be here today. Well, it's just a yeah. guess. Uh, sometimes he comes by uh, the day before a map to oh, do a little blessing, right. but we'll see. It's he's a, welcome. Oh, he's welcome, yeah. yeah. It's 520 right now, so we'll, we're going to be wrapping up here in the next 15, 20 minutes or so. Super. Okay, well, Community Music Center will be performing again, and the reason I want to mention them is that they've been around a long time. They don't have the opportunity to do map every session, but I ran into one of the singers from their um, Cuban salsa ensemble. I ran into her on BART the other day going downtown, and she said, yes, they are 544 Cap Street between 20th and 21st Community Music Center starting at 630 and going till 9.30, but you know how that salsa dancing is. Who knows? Right. I, I stumbled into that one last map. And uh, it was a whole it was a whole room full of salsa salsa in. Oh um, yeah, people it, were having a good time. 
yeah and that's it, a really cool space the, the the mission community music center i i had never been inside before but it's a really beautiful little kind of auditorium and they have summer school classes there too um yeah. if for for kids if um or young people who um either have uh, zero to some um pre uh, some in- instrument training so check out their summer camps too Oh yeah, that's um, that's wonderful that you remember that because um, it we get the little postcards sometimes mm-hmm. at the library and sometimes all we get is one poster. But um, so we love to just remind p- people and parents if you're looking for something fun and educational together. Right, and yeah. um, there there are some I believe there are some scholarships available as well. Oh, super! Yeah. Okay, well, um, some other venues, just real quick. Red Poppy Art House, which Aww. actually is, um, you know, I think that's where it all began. Yes. With MAP. And yes, they will be part of the whole thing. And someone from Mission Cultural Center was reminding us at one of the meetings that this is the 15th year of MAP or coming into the 15th year. So they're planning a celebration at one of the MAPs later this year. Wow. So keep your eyes on the MAPP Facebook page, Mission Arts and Performance Project. And um, often the website is available as well. Or just talk to one of the artists. If you run into somebody on BART or in the neighborhood or downtown or wherever they might be here at Mutiny Radio, just check in um, face-to-face, as David Kubrin would say, because he's not on Facebook, but Good for he's David available. Kubrin. Yes, and as Cambia just reminded us, a place where you can look people in the eye and become aware, and even if you're blind, we're, we're going to be there for you. So um, right. MAP is a great experience, um, whether you're from here and you've never been, or if you're in the neighborhood and you go sometimes, or if you're visiting from out of town, what a great opportunity to really get immersed in the local uh, arts and music culture of San Francisco because there's poetry, there's dance, there's music, there's sometimes there's the mime troupe. Is the, is the mime troupe on there this time? Because um, they have a little place on treat now. That's right. They, I didn't see them this time. Mm, I those. did hear that they have a lot of youth performance sessions coming up this summer. Maybe we'll get to see one of those around um, the city or around the Bay Area hopefully Um, but some of the oh now this is interesting I'm going to go to the very end of the list and that is because Radio Havana Social Club is um, joining in I don't know if they've been at MAP in a while I'm not sure but um, here they are they um, got a variety of music and spoken word nice. and a session called map storytelling by you okay sounds like an open mic for storytelling at the radio habana and that's on valencia right it's like between 21st and 22nd maybe yeah it's near the corner there. of 20, corner of 22nd right okay. near where city college opens on to valencia the, All mission, right, the campus. mission campus so 1109 valencia near 22nd that's starting at eight And, um, okay, then going backwards, another newer space, Noise Bridge, which is a combination of 
actors and artists and hackers and musicians and a whole bunch of other cool stuff. I went there a couple weeks ago and um, they've got lightning talks, Noisebridge Social, and StoryCorps. This is kind of special because it'll be during the day. It starts at 1 o'clock tomorrow, Noisebridge Hackerspace, 2169 Mission, third floor, between 18th and 17th. And um, it'll be 1 to 6. It sounds like something new and inventive and lots of spoken word, but I know some of them are professional actors. I think there's going to be some theater. And I've got... Um, just a couple more venues to mention. Artillery Art Gallery at Mission near 24th. Alley Cat Books, Mission Cultural Center. And don't forget, Adobe Books is often part of the scene. Check it out. They're right down the street from Alley Cat, so it doesn't hurt to just wander by and see what's up at Adobe Books. And um, that's it, but it'll be all day and into the night, starting at Noise Bridge and panning out around the Mission, up and down Mission Street, up and down 24th, and in the neighborhood. Anyway, thank you, Val. It, um, MAP is um, a welcoming place for artists, musicians, storytellers. Um, we've had all of the above at the library, and I'm really always glad just to come and help out. So that's what I'm going to do tomorrow. Thank you, Allison, our library lady, as Dave likes to call you, which is really a great, I, I think it's a fun name to radio it name. Is. And now, the yeah. library lady. Um, we're happy that you're part of the Common Thread Collective um, to bring us these good news and good words and sometimes a good poem and a, or a good book um, and just lots of great community information. So thanks for helping out with MAP. Um, and yeah, Artillery Gallery, which you mentioned, that's going to be a spot where people can actually go and pick up the physical paper map um but you can check out the facebook page or if you're like david kubrin who actually run you know is a founding member of map doesn't have facebook go to artillery galley pick up the <laughs> paper map and you can follow it all around the neighborhood or if uh, we think the website's probably going to be updated if it's not already updated map that's m-a-p-p that's for Mission Arts and Performance Project, M-A-P-P-S-F.com. Mm -hmm. uh, and you'll find it all right there. And it looks like you do have something. The library lady has a book in her hand. Not surprised. What's up, Allison? Okay. Well, just really quick. Um, speaking of the library, um, Mission Branch Book Club in English the, our last meeting was um, earlier this year where we were reading an Italian author, um, Elena Ferrante. Well, now here in June with summer reading kickoff, we're going to kick off with um, a dystopian but somewhat timely older title, The Dispossessed by Ursula Le Guin. Um, we will be talking about it uh, Monday, June 25th, 5 o'clock at, um, well, call the library for more information. The um, location to be announced but um, in April we were able to meet at Adobe Books. It is highly possible we will be there again um, 5 o'clock Monday, June 25th. 
The phone number to call the library, you can ask for the second floor information desk. It's 415-355-2800 or just stop by any day of the week, 24th and Bartlett, second floor. You can pick up a copy or reserve it. Um, a lot of you have heard of Ursula Le Guin, but um, for those of you who haven't, she did pass away recently. Um, she had been a Bay Area icon as well as um, known to be a sci-fi writer with universal themes. Um, very talented, very long-lived, born in 1929 and passed away January 2018. And um, yes, it, she was born here in Berkeley, passed away in Oregon. Her book, The Dispossessed, uh, just a little quick blurb, An Ambiguous Utopia. It came out in 1974. Um, it won the Nebula Award for Best Novel that year and received a nomination for the Don W. Campbell Memorial Award in 1975. According to Wikipedia, it achieved a degree of literary recognition unusual for sci-fi works due to its exploration of many themes, including anarchism, revolutionary societies, capitalism, individualism, and collectivism, all in one book. So, as I was saying, it she did touch on ideas, um, and the societal conditions that would appeal to almost any audience back then and today. So hope to see you there, and if not, just pick it up because, as I said, a very timely novel. Well, thank you for the excellent recommendation. So Monday, June 25th at 5 p.m., did you say at the library or at, well, at, maybe possibly at Adobe library, Books? Well, possibly at Adobe Books. Um, okay, that will well. be finalized within uh, the next two weeks. Call us for more information or check the library website. That's http colon slash slash <laughs> sfpl.org. We have a monthly calendar. And um, we have a whole variety of book clubs. If you don't like ours or you're not available, you can get links to other book clubs just by looking up our event or any book club event. And um, don't forget, we have many branches. They're open every day, including Sundays. Yes, to the library a community resource that we should always cherish and protect and utilize. So if you're into the book club idea, check out this really interesting sounding novel, The Dispossessed, Ursula McGuin, Le Guin. <laughs> That's L-E-G-U-I-N. I was just putting a little French twist on it. Because um, it's a French name, Le Guin. Uh, or Le Guin, if you must pronounce the end. Thank you, Allison. So, folks, uh, you have been listening to the Common Thread Collective today. What a day here at Mutiny Radio. We had a candidates forum for the three three people who are running against Nancy Pelosi for the uh, House of Representatives seat to represent District 12 of California, which is San Francisco. Uh, the vast majority of San Francisco uh, is District 12. Uh, I, I highly recommend that um, you 
check out um, what these candidates are about. Um, Shahid Buttar, really an impressive individual, um, multi-talented. Shahid is S-H-A. H-I-D. Um, you can check out shahidforchange.us. Um, Barry Hermanson, who's running on the Green Party ticket, Barry, number four, congress.com. Um, and also Ryan Kajaste, uh, Kajaste for congress.com. So um, some really inspiring um, leaders, emerging leaders, people who um, have thrown their hat in the ring because they're tired of the same old song and dance in our two-party system that so often fails us. And so we're happy to be here at Mutiny Radio to be a a gathering place for independent voices, free speech, um, open conversation, uh, to look at some of the important things that that we face as as a society and, of course, as individuals um, in this society and also for our environment. Um, I want to thank my guests for Women's Magazine today. I had um, uh, Deb Callahan call in from the... Bay Area. Oh, I always forget what 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 organization. Do. I'm sorry, Deb. I have I have an yes. The Bay Area Open Space. Yes. Um, Bay Area Open Space Council. Deb Callahan called in to talk about Proposition 68, which is on the uh, California ballot this coming Tuesday, um, to fund a huge projects to protect our water, um, to um, um, to help uh, California ready itself for um, climate change uh, with droughts and fires and such. Um, also for parks and uh, restoration projects, um, conservation projects, all throughout the state of California, um, not just uh, pet projects per se, but um, through different water districts and through different voting districts. and. Um, so a, a really big measure, uh, it's a bond measure, um, $4.1 billion, uh, the state of California bond measure. Um, but as Deb so aptly, um, you know, kind of laid out when I asked her, well, what do you say to people who's, who uh, don't want to put California into further debt? And she had a very pragmatic answer. It's kind of like, when do you take out a loan or a mortgage or use your credit card? It's only for things that are very big and very important. Otherwise, you're kind of abusing it. Um, so um, that's what a bond is in in, a, in social terms. It's it's a loan, and we repay it and with interest. But uh, it's an investment in something huge, which is our collective environment, and especially our, our waterways. So um, thank you, Deb Callahan. So anybody who wants to get, you know, tune into. All of these shows that we've had where candidates have come or we've spoken um, about the propositions and things like that, um, you, I, I posted all the links on my website, globalval.blogspot.com. It's the first one that'll come up, and you can just click around and see who you want to listen to. Um, maybe you want to do a little bit of homework this weekend. Just uh, turn it on, make some breakfast, hang out, chat with your friends and your family, your housemates, uh, whoever it may be, and um, let the candidates kind of speak for themselves, which is what I've been trying to do, what we've been trying to do here, Dave. Hi, Dave. And we'll continue. Uh, we'll continue. Now, Election Day is Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So this is our last uh, our last show until Tuesday. 
we want to invite people to come down. People to come down. We're going to have just this kind of discussions. Go where we go from here next Friday. And I want to mention the fact that John played. He's got a couple of his songs. They were great. I've been doing election, mm-hmm. and then it was so good, so good to have to have us wind out. By the, uh, wind out by the former, uh, the former, um, uh, the former trio combio. No. Trio. Now it's only trio. Now it's combia. 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 Just excuse me. I'm really tired. Combia, also known as No Man's Jam. Yeah. Combia. No Man's Jam. Here we are. Yeah. The No Man's Jam is a, a special cosmic sound journey that they that they and and some other musicians, all women led, women. are, are going to be. Uh, opening up at the Secret Garden at 7 o'clock tomorrow night, Saturday, the June 2nd. Um, a couple other announcements before we go, because um, we're getting at, we're going to wrap up here pretty soon. Um, another, well, we talked about MAP being all day tomorrow. Um, I also want to announce there's an event over at Fort Mason, uh, which is, an, it's, it's an Italian food festival, wow. and it's free to attend. And at five, it's all day, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. at Fort Mason Building C. It's the Italo Americano Muse- Museum, and um, our friend and the poetess Jennifer Barone uh-huh. is going to be um, reading from her book Saporoso, which is poems of Italian food and love. Take a poop. So she's going to be. Uh, <laughs> She's going to be reading at 5 o'clock, from 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock. So so I wanted to uh, maybe read.